Welcome back to a brand new episode of The Talk, the podcast about changing the world from Nordea Private Banking. And in this episode, I bring you a guest from Norway, a fascinating person who is the senior corporate advisor of plastic and circular economy for the WWF. She's also a board member of the Norwegian Electric Boat Association, and perhaps she's most famous for co-founding Blue Eye Robotics, a company that could best be described as an underwater drone company. She's uh, overall a very fascinating person. She's done a ton of things that we're going to discuss in this episode. And of course, we're going to talk a lot about underwater robots and drones. And without further ado, this is my conversation with the fantastic and interesting Christine Spitten. Where do we start? I know this is late in the day for you. You've had like a thousand meetings today. Yeah. And I have uh, <laughs> had a day of travel. So we'll both try to get through this. But you slept well tonight though? So you kind of... I did. You have the energy? Definitely. Good. Yeah. And started the day by bicycling. That's very Norwegian of you. Yeah. <laughs> you always do that. I sometimes think I should move to Norway, but just because you're so much out in the nature. Yeah, it's. Um, I think especially where I live now, it's just a, such a short distance up to the forest and really nice uh, areas to bike along uh, the river and then all of a sudden you end up by the fjord and the ocean so it's a it's a great area to be active in yeah yeah and, and uh, I, i've been looking into your cv a little bit just to try to understand like what you do that was a lot of stuff in there mm. it all kind of tied back together in if i would describe you in one word i would say ocean probably mm. But uh, it was like, you know, there was like the world's top 50 women in tech. It was uh, the Forbes 30 under 30 list. Mm. It was Europe's top 50 women in tech. It was senior corporate advisor for plastic and circular economy for WWF. I'm not done. Uh, (laughs) Board member of the Nordic Electric Boat Organization. uh, Member of the Direktionen. What is that? It sounded very important, but I didn't realize. Direction is like directive of polytechnic polytechnical uh, organization. So basically, um, it's like a huge network of uh, people working in tech, but across all sectors coming together and like really raising some questions and and coming together to to look at uh, solutions or how can we work together? How can we combine our knowledge and networks in order to really solve the big challenges in society so it's uh it's a great network to be a part of also because it it's it spans over uh, a huge age difference so we have the the great old heroes being you know having 30 40 years of experience and remembering back to the time before computers and before uh, the big yeah, world wide web and not only remembering it, but actually being the ones who uh, had a key role in developing it. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a great network to be a part of, for sure. Yeah, I knew it sounded important when I read it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, you were the co-founder and chief global strategist of Blue Eye Robotics. Yes. Which is maybe what you're most famous for? Yes. I would say so. It's uh, Blue Eye 
has been my life basically for the past uh, four years since we started the company um, summer 2015 with an idea of making the ocean available to everyone. And our solution was to create a technology that empowered people to become explorers. And so it started really, really, really ambitious and, and quite uh, broad. And basically it was developing an ROV Um, remotely operated vehicle, which is not, to be honest, a new uh, technology. What was new was the way that we made it user-friendly and available in a whole new way by enabling people to connect with their own smartphones or tablets. And by doing so, you can you could dive down to 150 meters depth and explore the ocean. So, so this ROV was something completely different than the industrial ROVs that had been used in the oil industry for decades, because it looked a bit similar. You you can compare it to an aerial drone in in the way you use it, but opposed to aerial drones, which is often used to film something that you've seen before, this was something that could enable you to explore places that no one had never ever been before. Uh, so it opened up for a broad spectrum of opportunities uh, across a broad spectrum of sectors from private people to industries. But then, yeah, after a while, we realized that we can't. It's it's a really bad idea for a startup company to think that you're gonna um, make something that's targeting everyone at the same time. So we need we needed to choose. We needed to pick our um, first target markets, uh, and so we chose to to go for aquaculture and the shipping industry. And um, the reason why we did that was because those two industries had an immediate need for a tool like this. They're huge industries in Norway and the Norwegian aquaculture and the Norwegian shipping industry is leading basically globally. So the rest of the world looks to Norway when it comes to these uh, industries. They look to Norway to get the latest technology and the most environmental friendly technology, which brings me into, you know, the whole idea behind Blue Eye was we didn't just want to make the ocean available to everyone for the fun of it, but to en uh, enable people to learn and to understand it and take better care of it. Does it have an arm also so you can grab things? No, no, it doesn't. Um, it's an inspection tool and it has attachment points. So you can attach, you can use it to bring down a hook or a magnet or something if you want to bring something up. And a lot of people have done that. So to to pick up... Um, an iPhone. <laughs> That's <laughs> an a iPhone. mass market. <laughs> Then it will go Or mainstream. Or car keys. Yeah. Um, no, but um, fishing gear, lost fishing gear, yeah. which is a huge you know challenge environmental challenge or just lost things as you say iPhones or or car keys but um if you find something there's applications or there's way to tag it in a map so that you can alert people with um, with uh, the sufficient care to bring it up and you're not doing blue eye anymore right did you no, leave it so i um quit in December last year but that's where I that's when I told the rest of my team that I'm 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 going to leave but then it took seven months to actually leave because it's not it, it's not easy being a co-founder and just 
leave the company like that. It's not easy for wouldn't be easy for me, and it wouldn't be easy for the team either. Uh, so we, I've been collaborating with them uh, just through a different agreement over the past seven months, but living in Oslo and not in Trondheim, where our headquarters is, I I'm still shareholder and uh, haven't sold any of the company. And I it um, it's important uh, that. It hasn't got anything to do with the fact that I uh, don't believe in Blue Eye because I definitely do, and the team is it's it's just the perfect team to bring this on forward, and it's growing and everything is going very well. So it's more a, it's more a s- selfish thing, yeah. I think. It's uh, to me, it felt a little bit like mission complete when the product was out in the market, and uh, Blue Eye was my first uh, job. Uh, after uni, so I I never had a different uh, or another uh, job than Blue Eye apart from side projects and so on. And I just f- felt that I wanted to f- fill my own toolbox and get more pers- different perspectives on how I could work with the uh, ocean challenges because that's that that was my motivation to work with Blue Eye. And now that the, the drone is out in the market, I have this fantastic tool to bring along with me into new uh, projects. That's cool. So that's that's the project you've done up until pretty much now. Mm. And what do you do now? So now I am a senior advisor on plastic and circular economy for the World Wildlife Fund. Super exciting task and mission. So it's it's divided into... Well, basically, we uh, we're f- uh, founding this new department within the World Wildlife Fund Norway, which is focusing on the corporate sector and partnerships. Um, so my position is advising on plastic and circular economy uh, towards the corporate sector, basically helping out big companies and organizations becoming more circular. In addition, I'm a project leader for a project uh, that we have together with a Norwegian sports organization NIF it's called uh, so working together with them on making uh, the sports uh, sector plastic smart mm. and I use the word plastic smart instead of plastic free because neither um, the corporate sector or uh, or the sports uh, sector is supposed to become plastic free it's not possible and it's not ideal but we need to become plastic smart and that means using plastic only where it's efficient and using it in a smart way uh, and then eliminating all the unnecessary use of plastic, which is basically the single-use plastics that we uh, have better materials or better ways of uh, of uh, handling. Are there good and bad plastics too or, or all bad? No, but, but plastic is a fantastic material if you use it for the right uh, purpose. Um, so, for instance, if you look into medical uh, sector, there's a lot of products that has to be made of plastic or where plastic is the uh, material that makes most sense because it's lightweight. You can shape it into any uh, shape. It's uh, it's cheap. But so plastic is not a problem if we keep it in the loop. And we need to create a market where we can use recycled plastic and where we can actually recycle plastic. So the plastic needs to be high quality in order to be recycled over and over again and be kept in the loop. But if we continue to develop 
new products that consists of mixed types of plastic. It makes it really hard to recycle. There's so many uh, versions of bioplastics. You hear about bioplastics all the time. Mm. And often it's plastic, uh, fossil plastic, uh, mixed with corn, for instance, or bamboo or something. Then it's not possible to recycle and to use over again. So you basically create the end product. It's actually worse than yeah. just pure plastic. Yeah. Your entrepreneurship has spanned maybe four years then or so? Yes. And what have been throughout those years because you i guess when you come in new like that you know you kind of have to figure out things on the way Hmm. what have been some of the biggest challenges for you well there's been lots and lots of challenges and i i think that's that's something you just uh you're prepared for a lot of challenges when you when you start something brand new and everything is new so there's no one way of doing it or there's no there's no one to really ask um or to tell you exactly what to do because you you need to figure out uh, along the way uh, as you go, and that's of course been a challenge itself that there's no one to to ask, and then you need to keep a certain speed and you need to work within a limited financial framework basically. Um, so I think challenges. Um, there's been a challenge to. Uh, to start up as a, as a naive entrepreneur together with my co-founders uh, Eric uh, Eric Martin and Eric, um, because you you have this belief that you're gonna make something in maybe six months or one year, and and you go out and and you speak really loud about it, and then you get uh, the first pre-orders and the first supporters and the first investors. And then you see that the timeline is, you know, sliding and then sliding a bit more and then a bit more. And you just need to keep the investors happy and you need to keep your customers happy. And then you work as hard as a maniac uh, behind behind the curtains kind of and, and, and just spinning around. And it's hard to, to always know whether you're spending your time right. But you just got to believe that, that, that you do. Um, and I think that's where we've been lucky to to have initial, uh, like the angel funding that we got, which made us able to build a strong team quite early. A lot of entrepreneurs start up alone, or maybe there are two, and then they 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 sort of have a longer process on uh, hiring people or building the team or getting the right resources and actually really point out what's their weak spots, where do they lack competence and and, and also acknowledge that it is that that's maybe the most important cost that you take on in the beginning is to hire the right people. It's really expensive expensive and time wasting to hire the wrong people. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Uh, so we've been lucky and we I, I think we were quite smart in the beginning to keep some, you know, um shares available for future key positions and people to come on board our team because that's what we had to to offer them was a great vision a you know a really really passionate uh, team and something that they we've been able to uh, attract people that quit their jobs which was paying twice as much at least to work with us because they really share the vision of making the ocean available and to empower people to explore and to take better care of the ocean. Um, 
But at the same time, they've they've accepted a much lower salary, but because we could offer them shares in the company and and you know being join something and and really own the project together with us, that was the key to to attract these yeah. people. I know this is very this is true for a lot of entrepreneurs. The, the things you're saying now and. Uh, you know, we've had one of our previous guests was Conrad Bergstrom of Exshore, uh, and the, the electric boat world is the same as as you know. What are some of the most um, promising electric boat companies in Norway? I'd say Evoy is a very exciting one. They have really good technology and uh, well thought through solution to the boats. I also think that Brim Explorer is super exciting. They are creating the first electrical whale watcher, uh, oh. whale watching boat. It's going to be operated all the way up north in a quite challenging uh, environment and bringing people out, you know, am- amongst the killer whales and humpback whales. Um, and it's it just looks like nothing, nothing else I've ever seen. <laughs> um, so that's quite impressive, the way they're thinking and the way they work and they're bold you know, uh, doing something like that all the way up in Tromsø. Um, I think because I'm, yeah, you mentioned it on on the board for the Norway's uh, Electrical Boat Association, and I think the work we do is to you know ensure that the infrastructure or work together with the politicians and with the government, uh, ensuring that the infrastructure is good enough for more people to come on board. Uh, with new uh, innovation and new solutions for uh, the electrical boat market. And I think there's we see that a lot is happening on the ferry and um, and shipping side, but not so much on the private um, private market for leisure boats. But that's you, you know that's also a market with a with a, the greatest uh, possibilities, I think. And especially when we look into numbers because, I've seen the reports where you ask people why why do you have a leisure boat, and in Norway it's uh, particularly interesting because every fourth household owns a leisure boat. Uh, so there's a lot of boats in Norway, and what people then answer is that the reason why they have a leisure boat and want to spend time on the ocean is to enjoy the quiet, uh, uh, the quiet, the stillness. Uh, it's recreational time, and they just want you know. Um, a, a peaceful, good experience. It's not about racing around, moving fast. It's very few that answer uh, that they want to move fast around. And when you look into the data on the engines after a boat hand in their old engine, etc., you can see that 90% of that lifetime from the motor, it has been running on five knots or uh, slower. Right. So it's like, okay, well, it, if that's the case, why do we then buy this extremely big, unnecessarily big engines. Yeah, we see bigger and bigger A lot engines. of diesel, yeah. yeah. And and the filters on both motors are not as good as, as on cars. They don't have the same requirements. Yeah, much worse. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, and, and they make a lot of noise, yeah. both below and above the surface. So one thing is the noise that we are disturbed by. Another thing is the noise that disturb the wildlife and the fish. So that's something to think about and something that would be, you know, um, not a problem at all if we use electric uh, 
right. engines. Yeah, I know that, that's that's Conrad's big thing. Yeah, he, and he always talks about how he went from being the, the loudest man on the planet working for Marshall, and now he's this this Mister Silence. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so just quickly back to your entrepreneurship, asking an entrepreneur about which have been the tough times. That's like asking about like you know that's all the time mm-hmm. basically. <laughs> But have has there been any specific like magical moments where you just felt like, okay, this is gonna work or you know, just a breakthrough or what have been some magical moments for you? Well, there's been many, both because uh, working with Blue Eye, uh, we've got to spend a lot of time in the ocean uh, or at sea, uh, which is what we, we all love. Um, but when you see what our technology can do you know, one thing is we've we've been talking about the environmental monitoring and actually uh, cleaning up uh, from seabed. But another thing is when you see how it can inspire people. That's my favorite moments when you see kids or when you see politicians or when you see industry leader all of a sudden, you know, s- discover. It, it looks like they discovered the ocean for the first time. Because they can use their own smartphone, it's not complicated. It's like playing a video game, and you uh, no doesn't matter if you're experienced playing video games or not. After five minutes, you you got it yeah. basically. And then it's you you hand over uh, the drone, and you see that they're just like, oh, they, they don't want to give it back to you. <laughs> so you, you're pretty much. I stuck. want one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's what that's what people say, and they're like, so I want one, and you should have one, and yeah. then. Imagine and 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 you see, you you lighten something, um, like you spark something, and you can see it in their eyes, and they come up with all these ideas. And of course, a lot of the ideas we've thought about before, but their enthusiasm. And when you see people discovering something for the very first time, I think that's where the magic is in Blue Eye. Just quickly, uh, what are the, if you have like three pieces of advice for? an entrepreneur starting out with an impossible mission like yours, what would those three be? Well, first one is uh, don't start unless you really believe in it. Because to have that passion and believe is what's going to get you through the tough times. It's also what's going to you know enable you to attract the right people. Uh, and not just employees, but also investors and partners you need along the way. So um, a passion for your idea is uh, is probably the first. Um, and then secondly is the partners. I choose them wisely. They can, you know, we've had a, a lot of pilot customers and partners along the way who've give, uh, given us invaluable feedback on what's good and what's not so good uh, about the product. You don't want to make a product that nobody actually needs. So testing, 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 testing. And then the third one is persistent, not to give up, but also not give up your idea. If you see that it doesn't work the first time, maybe you just need to adjust or as we did to sort of pivot and say that, well, this underwater drone, this first model at least, is not going to be for everyone, but it's going to be for these markets. And then focus on creating a successful case in in those markets and then you can scale up from there because you need those first customers you need the first markets and it doesn't mean that you have to move away from your passion or from your vision so 
I think we'll let people go now and have them explore the rest themselves. Where can they find you if you want to find out more about you and your mission? Blue Eye is on every social media uh, channel. Uh, also, our webpage is uh, blueeyerobotics.com. If you want to find me, my name is Christine Spieten, and that's the name I use on, on social media, etc. And to learn more about the Plastic and Circular Economy Project, that's on wwf.no. Fantastic. Well, I won't take up more of your time now because we need you to be out there and save the world. <laughs> so uh, I'll do my best. Yeah. So thank you for coming. Or actually, I'm in your city. So but, uh, <laughs> and uh, I hope to see you soon. Yep. You too. Thank you for listening. If you like this episode, I think you will love the ones we have in the pipeline for you. We have some truly amazing guests coming up. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast player to make sure you don't miss any of them. Also, we would love if you could help us rate this podcast on iTunes to help us spread the word. That makes a huge difference. I'm Walter Nesland, and I look forward to seeing you soon in the next episode of The Talk, a podcast about changing the world by Nordia Private Banking.